This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have Hitler Youth Movement, an episode of This Is Our Enemy. This series aired over the Mutual Network in 1942 and 1943. It was sponsored by the Office of War Information as part of the U.S. government's effort to encourage Americans to support the war effort. This episode first aired on September 13, 1942. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcasts, where you can find links to past episodes, as well as the books featured in our podcasts. So thanks for listening. Enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. The United States government presents... This is our enemy. Tonight, the United Nation goes forward with the determination to win this war and bring about a just and enduring peace. But we cannot win our war or make our peace unless we understand the character of the enemy we are fighting. That is why your government is bringing these programs to you. Our guest tonight is Mr. Henry J. Taylor, famous war correspondent and radio commentator. This is a program of cold, hard truth. This is the truth about our enemy. In 1942, a Nazi-controlled newspaper published in occupied Europe contained the following item. Yesterday night, John Leroy, a member of the factory guard in the Black Brigade, having dinner in his own home, was suddenly attacked by his own father, who strangled him. This idealistic boy was thus brutally removed from a promising life of service to the party. Things have gone a long way when a father kills his own child on account of his political attitude. Nobody will feel very well hearing such a news item, but it presents a vivid and tragic picture of the evil that the enemy has brought into the lives of conquered people, into the occupied countries of Europe. What led to this horrible climax? What could be the story behind such tragedy? Let's look into the Leroy home more than a year before, December 1940. (sighs) Seven months. Seven months now since the Nazis took over our village. It seems seven years, Julius. Mm. Time is so slow, the village so dead. It's only resting and getting ready, Anna. Henry frightens me when he talks like that, Julius. As though he were a conspirator, a worker in the underground. Then why not? Henry... What could be better than to fight these Germans? Fight them now when they think we're completely defeated. (laughs) Anna is afraid. 
What about you, Julius? It would be wonderful, Henry, to fight. And it will be done, I know. It's being done even now. But I doubt I can take any active part. I'm afraid, too. You see, Henry... No, 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 no. Afraid not for myself, Anna. That I'm the father of a young son. Oh, yes, of course, Julius. John has no mother. He's not very strong. These are hard days for children. I can't risk involvement in what they call illegal activities, possible arrest, leaving him alone. No, no of course you can't, Julius. Where is John now, Julius? In bed, a bad cold. Oh. Ah, so many colds these days. All the children at the school. No heat there. And little here. And food. <laughs> Such poor food. Henry, you and Anna are too young to remember the last time the Germans occupied our land. Oh, no. I was 12 years old, and Anna was about 10. So we remember. Yes, we remember. My mother died then. She gave the little food there was to us children, and she starved. Oh, I'm so sorry to have reminded you. No, no, Julius. The Nazis reminded me. Perhaps I have been wrong, Henry. If you can find a way to fight them... Oh, Anna, there are so many ways. At the factory, there are ways. Slow-ups, small sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, listen. What is it, Henry? Someone coming up the walk. Stormtrooper? I think so, yes. Hallett, You are the father of John Leroy, age 16? Yes. The boy's teachers tell me he's not uh, overstrong. Well, he is undernourished. In these times... Yes. It's the wicked blockade of the British. They're responsible for all your troubles. Well, we Germans are better neighbors. I come to offer your son a trip. A trip? A uh, vacation, shall we say. He will be sent to foster parents in the most fertile section of Germany for three or four weeks of rest and sunshine and good food. Send him to Germany? No! Anna! Uh, who are these people, Leroy? Uh, old friends, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dalen. My wife is sorry she interrupted you, Captain. She was, uh, well, surprised by your generous offer. Yes, surprised. Uh, why do you make this offer uh, to me, for, for my son? Oh, it's not being made to you alone, Leroy. Other children of the village are going, too. Oh, many from your son's school. Well, what is your answer? <laughs> well, I, I should like to think about it. He does need better food, but uh, when would he go? Monday. So soon? I'll expect an answer tomorrow, at this time. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Apologizing to that Nazi for me, Henry. Listening while he said the British are our enemies, not the Germans. Chiming in Heil Hitler. Anna, I said that we should work in the underground. Not fight them to their faces. We're not strong enough for that now. Yes, you're right, Henry. But, Julius, surely you won't let John go into Germany. <laughs> I, I don't know. It is an extraordinary offer. Extraordinary is the word. The Capets, the Michels, they're sending their children. Other children of the village, their parents are willing. But it's a trick, Julius, a trick of some sort. It must be. Yes, they want to convince us that they are kind people, wanting only the best for us. Mm -hmm. Loving our children, solicitous. 
To be cheap at this price, our confidence for three or four weeks at a German farm. And in the end, they'll take food for it from our farmers. Oh, but Henry, Anna, I don't care what their purpose is. You don't think they can hoodwink me? I know the Germans. But if my boy gets some good out of it, he needs warmth and rest and food. Oh, so badly. They've cut rations again. Prices are terrible. Epidemics are starting. John is, is so little to suffer here. I, I, I think I'll send him. It's, it's only three weeks. No, Julius, oh, no, Anna. please. No, perhaps, perhaps we're quite wrong. Julius decides to... Uh, I'll speak to John about it. At least I can do that. Yes, I'll speak to my boy. Whatever you think best, Father. It seems a long way to go, though. A long way away. I've never been oh, so... Oh, but you're so pale, John, and thin. You look more like 14 years old than 16. They'll give you good food for the little time you're there. I'm sure of that part of it. Oh, I'm all right, Father, truly. I'm stronger than you think. Peter fainted at school last week. He's always bragging about being so big. Fainted? Peter? The son of a friend of ours. Fainted in school because he was hungry? Oh, my son. A lot of the girls faint all the time. Oh. Uh, father... Would they... Would the Germans give me cake sometime, maybe? And meat? Good meat? N not just in stew? Yes. Yes, my son. So, I think we'll try it. Just for a few weeks. A few cakes. All right, Father. Good morning, Mr. Leroy. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Capet. Oh, it is lonesome in the house without my boy and girl. A week now since they left for their German holiday. Mm. <sighs> but if they're getting fat, their poor little ribs. Oh, if you could have seen. Yes. I haven't even had a postcard from John. Oh, but children don't write when they're having a good time. Mm. Yes, yes. A good time. You're right. <laughs> A week, two weeks, three, four. Oh, Mr. Leroy, Mr. Leroy, wait a moment. What? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, you walk so fast. <laughs> look, look here to Catherine and George. What? Back from Germany. Good morning, children. Oh, but, but John isn't back yet. Uh, Catherine, when did you and George leave John? We didn't stay at the same place as John. We didn't see him at all after we got to Germany. Oh. Oh, I see. Oh, don't worry, Mr. Leroy. He'll be home tomorrow. Yes, I hope so. I hope so. It's been such a long time. But John did not come tomorrow. The Rondu girl came home, the Michelle boy. A fifth week went by, a sixth. Captain Gertner. Oh, yes, yes, Sir Leroy. I was coming to see you today. We Captain have the... Gertner, you said my son would return in three weeks. It's now six. 
The other children... As are... I was about to say, Herr Rowan interrupted me. We have received a message about your son. A message? I will read it now. Let's see. Has anything happened to him? Oh, here it is. John Leroy has shown himself intelligent and apt, and his health is responding so well, we have decided to keep him a while longer. Intelligent and apt? What does that mean? I didn't send him to a school, to a place to be taught anything. You missed the point, Herr Leroy. His health is responding, it says. I want my son home, Captain. In a while, in a while, yes, of course. Well, how long does that mean? Who can tell? <laughs> At the end of six months, John Leroy came home. John, my son. Smile, Hitler, father. Oh, no, boy, no. You don't need to use that greeting here to me. This is home. I like that greeting, father. Oh. It's a rededication every time we say it. Uh, what, what do you mean, my son? Rededication. Uh, and what is that... Strange uniform you're wearing. Isn't it splendid? I joined the Black Brigade this morning, as soon as I got back. You've been here in the village since morning. You're only coming home to me now at sundown? Oh, John. There was so much to do, Father. Messages to deliver from the authorities at camp and things camp? like... Camp? I... I thought you were staying at a farmhouse with a... with a country family. The first week, yes. Then they let me go on to a Hitler youth camp and study with the German boys... Lots of them were older, but I kept up with them. Oh. The teachers praised me. I was the only one from the village allowed. The others were too young. Well, what does this organization you have joined here, this, this black brigade, do? Oh, we watch to see that the foolish, misled citizens here do sabotage the efforts of our liberators, our friends, the Germans. You know, Father, all our suffering is the result of a British-Jewish plot. Oh, stop parroting such drivel, boy. It's the truth, Father. I'm afraid you don't understand the truth. You fault my punishment. You're just a child. They filled you with their poison. I pampered you, and an only son, a motherless son, had made you think for yourself. I can think for myself now, and you don't like it, Father. Oh, now, John, my son, listen to me. This isn't the first time the Germans have ravaged our country. They told me you'd start that 1918 talk. What's that? I haven't time to listen. I only came to leave my things. There's a block meeting tonight. Good night, Father. Oh, John. John. The next weeks were strange ones in the Leroy home. At times, things seemed almost as they had been before. And then the father would say something, or the boy would... And the strangeness and distance were there between them again. There were other Black Brigade meetings. John attended without asking permission, nor did he report what took place. Otherwise, there was the day's routine. School, that was the subject of one discussion. But, John, you must go back to school. I've outgrown my school. You're only 16. You'll go back to school. You cannot force me. You... Say, wait a minute. Yes? Yes, Father, I'll go back to school. I can tell the others all about Germany and the youth camp. I can teach them. John, you're going to school to learn no. not to... I can show them.
What's the matter, John? Your face is bruised. I'm all right, Father. You've been fighting. It was necessary. I'm glad you made me go back to that school, Father. I found something I can do to help. They don't understand the Germans, how they're helping us, how they're strong and will let us join them in their strength instead of remaining weak and little and helpless before countries like France and England. You told them that, and there was a fight. Uh, they're stupid. But they'll be sorry. I shall report them to the brigade. No, no, John. Fight your own battles. They're bigger than I am. The brigade is bigger than they are. Yes. They shall learn that. Learn something about strength. <laughs> Bread, John? No, it's such coarse black bread. I'm sorry, my son. It's the best we have. Doesn't matter. Father, why don't you invite the Dellens here anymore? What? I gathered on your return that you didn't like them. I don't need to like them to find them interesting. I should like to hear their latest opinions on Germany. I'm not a spy, John. And I won't permit you to spy. Very well. If you wish to be disloyal? Disloyal? I am to spy on my own friends and people, or I'm disloyal to my enemies. My son, how could they do this to you in that pitiful little vacation time? How could you be, be changed so quickly? I've not been changed. I've only become strong. They were the first who ever cared to help me be strong. You and everyone here felt sorry for me, wanted to take care of me. They knew I was strong. Strong enough to sacrifice, to serve. And I shall serve, with or without your help. A few days later... Father, I uh, thought since you refused to ask the Dalens here, it would interest you to know that I have found a way of checking on them... Elsewhere. John. I've been a member of the Black Brigade long enough now to choose my post of service. They asked me today where I wish to be assigned. And? I said at the factory where Henry Dalen works. I will watch him especially. <laughs> Long weeks factory. In the yards where the munitions are loaded. It is all planned. There are only the last details. And so well worked out, Julius, there is little danger of discovery. Scarcely a possibility of failure. Tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow at last we strike a blow. We fight back. Oh, uh, you're back a little early, John. Yes. You have company. We were just leaving. How are you, John? Quite well, Mrs. Dalen, thank you. I'm going to my room now, Father. Uh, good night, John. It's time for us to go, too, Julius. Yes. Good, good night. night. Good night, Julius. Good night, a peaceful night. And tomorrow, a good day. Yes, Julius. <laughs> Thank you.
But the next day at three, there was only silence from the direction of the factory, the ticking of the clock in the Leroy house, and the growing fear in Julius Leroy's mind. John came home for dinner. Uh, were you at the factory today, John? Yes, of course. I should think you'd get tired there every day. No. I do my duty. And it uh, can be very exciting. Was it exciting today? I mean, did anything happen? Why don't you come right out with it, Father, and ask me about the sabotage plot? What's that? No. At the factory today, something did not happen. John, why do you talk Something like... that was carefully planned by your fine friend Henry Van Dalen. Destruction of precious munitions for Germany in her fight to free Europe did not happen. Because of me, it did not happen. You? Me and you. Oh. Yes, you too. Because in your stupidity and theirs, your sentimental friends came here last night. They wanted you to feel better about me, so they talked to you. I saw them come. I didn't go to the block meeting. I came in the back way. I heard them talk. Oh, no. No. Oh, God, no! It was so simple. Then I went out and came back noisily. Oh, it was easy. This morning at the plant, we found the arrangements. We got them all. All! Henry? He will be shot, the traitorous fool. <laughs> I knew you'd slobber. You're weak. We're strong. Oh, yes, and uh, his wife, Anna, who's never liked me. She's been arrested, too. And everyone will know she's the wife of a traitor. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, the widow of a traitor. Stop it! Stop this talk! You're horrible! I'm a good servant of the Fuhrer, and the authorities are proud of me. They praise me highly. They think I'm clever, and I am clever. This is just the beginning. Oh, I can do so much. Win honors and promotions. The people next door here, the Registo, they're not overloyal. And Leopold Crick, I'm sure he listens to foreign broadcasts. I can say he does anyhow, and they'll believe me. You're not my son any longer. You're a dangerous enemy. Be careful how you talk to me, Father. I haven't reported you yet. I wish you had. Then I'd be locked away. And I wouldn't have to do what I'm about to do. I wish I were in a prison cell. Or dead before a wall with bullets through my head and my heart. So I couldn't feel and think as I am feeling and thinking now. Don't. Don't look so... What are you going to do? No. No, Father. Take your hands off my throat. You're, you're hurting me. Don't. I have to do this. You'll get worse and worse. You'll kill more people. You'll do dreadful things. You're a... Poor mad dog now. And it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> My son.
now hear from Mr. Henry J. Taylor, famous war correspondent, radio commentator, and author of the new eye-opening war book, Men in Motion. Mr. Taylor was the last American to get in and out of Germany before war was declared. He has been in Germany as a correspondent repeatedly since 1923 and is recognized as one of the best informed men in the world on the subject of fascism. Mr. Taylor. You have just heard the dreadful story of a once happy family in a village in occupied Europe. There the ancient city law had as his first provision, in this city men shall be free and no man a slave. But the Nazis have replaced that law with theirs. Divide and conquer, even families. The Germans early realized the importance of controlling the minds of youth in the formative years. In the occupied countries, the Nazis' first attack is always upon the schools and teachers, students and books, and on family relationships. In Germany itself, they have, with complete ruthlessness, taken over the children. I have seen them start the education of the child practically from the cradle. They teach him only what they want him to know. There is no other source of information open to him. They have thus built a generation of unquestioning, blind believers, dangerous fanatics. They say, it is your duty to be one-sided. It is the only way to get anything done. You no longer need to know, only to believe, without question. They shout to young people amid pageantry and music and emotional trappings. Reasonableness is always the enemy of life, they say. Don't be shackled by reason. No longer reflect, only react. React as ordered by the state. In this way, the Nazis have bred a whole generation of young fanatics who worship the state and hold in contempt all the values of Christianity and democracy. This is the real problem the United Nations must face on that eventual day when Hitler is defeated. The youth of Germany and those other youth in occupied Europe who have been indoctrinated must be rehabilitated, re-educated. This is our enemy. We wish to thank Henry J. Taylor for his appearance on this program. Our thanks also to Nathan Van Cleve, who composed and conducted the music. The script was written by Dorothea Lewis. The entire production was under the direction of Frank Telford. Following actors participated in this program Frank Gallup, Era Gerald, Charlotte Holland, Ed Latimer, Bill Lipton, Frank Lovejoy, Stefan Schnabel, Nancy Bashian, and Danny Leone. This has been the 55th in a series which is presented each week at this time over most of these stations by the United States government in cooperation with WOR and the Mutual Network.
This is Mutual. Mutual. 